seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother. One. Welcome, friends, to episode 213 of Color of Magic, a Magic Gaming Podcast, where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. I am your host, Daquan Watson, in for... 213 episodes still have my main man brian allen making it down there how you doing dude well, we are pushing along how's the weather been for you guys it's been like up and down for us it's like been cold one yeah, day and sunny the next yeah i think we're supposed to have a cold front uh this weekend right now it's still in the 70s after a brief uh, period of it being cold uh, with the animals are confused the plants are confused <laughs> okay so i guess it's everywhere it's not just up here <laughs> I don't know, man. It, it's wild right now. And man, I gotta say, Ixalan looks wild. Like the new Magic set, it has all types of stuff in it. Deck building for this has been all over the place. Which, Which is, that's a fun thing. Oh yeah, and for those of you that don't know, we're recording later than usual today. Totally my fault because. I've just been grinding deck lists to have stuff ready to go for the early access stuff. So it's going to be all, and I've seen some stuff other people put together. Like early access is going to be a wild time. Like all kinds of decks are going to be happening. That's great. That's great. Speaking of, if you want to get you some new Lost Caverns of Ixalan stuff, hit up our sponsor over at coolstuffinc.com. They got all types of stuff, tons of magic, obviously, all the different products you're going to want. Tons of singles. And if you want non-magic stuff, they got that too. And you can save 5% by using code DRAGON at checkout. So you'll be supporting us and getting something for yourself and saving some money. Also, don't forget, you can go to patreon.com slash color magic. Help us out. You can get a shout out just like Poppertastic, which is a cool name. So thank you for being a patron. And of course, you can go to colormtg.com slash shop and get some merch. All right, let's roll into the soapbox because we have some stuff. I don't think this is going to be as an aggressive as a soapbox this time. I think this is more <laughs> little little toned down this week. All right, this one for me comes down to so many people constantly saying like, we want, you know, like some of the dialogue between Casual players and competitive players, you know, or competitive EDH players versus the casuals, right? And people always wanting to say that our group is the most welcoming. You should come play with us. Like, we're we're the people you want to play. And, like, we're not as bad as people make us out to be or whatever it is. There's one simple way to fix this. Be someone that people want to play with. That's it. Like, at the end of everything, people want to come up with all these things and try to explain stuff and all these rules. Like, just be an example. When people see you playing, are you having a good time? Are you being friendly to the new people? Are you helping explain stuff that's complicated instead of trying to, like, rules gotcha people? Right? Just be that person that when somebody walks away from your game, they say, man, that was actually a really fun time. I mean, yeah, I lost in, like, five turns, but I enjoyed playing with that person. Because think about it, like we we both have friends we've made from tournaments, from conventions, for where we didn't win squat. 
Absolutely. <laughs> but we had a good time playing with people. So we're like, you know what? Next time we get together, let's invite those folks. They're like, hey, let's exchange info. Or, hey, let me follow you on socials so I can keep up with you or whatever. The time somebody isn't one of those people, you kind of walk away and go, man, that sucked. And I didn't even enjoy the people I played with. Right. <laughs> never want to see these people again. And sometimes it translates that I never want to play this game again. Because, you know, that's, if, that, if those are the people that play in your area and you don't want to hang out with them. That's true. I mean, I one of the things that's even happened with my store, and I'm not sure if I've ever said it on recording, but there had been customers many over the years that I had met, and they just said, well, I just never went to game stores because I had this one bag experience, and I just assumed all the stores were like that, or that all the people that played in tournaments are like that, or whatever. And it's like, damn, how many experiences did both potential people that they would have played with and those people themselves miss out on because of that one really bad negative experience they had. Right. So it's like, just be the person that people want to talk about and invite to things and whatever. And I'm not saying like be overly nice and overly, I mean, cause that just comes off as creepy, you know, just, but just be yourself and be friendly. That's it. Like just be someone people want to play with. That's the easiest way to explain it. If you do that, You'll slowly build up an audience and then it becomes more and more of like, hey, more people are influenced by you. More people are following your example. And then more people want to come be part of your circle. Because I'll be honest, like, I'm not, I don't do anything special. I just try to be nice to people. (laughs) Sadly, that's almost become special. That's why we're talking about it. Because if everybody did that, we wouldn't have to talk about it. You ain't wrong. I wish that wasn't true. But yeah, especially in something like Commander in a lot of situations where we're playing for nothing yes the literally. whole the whole appeal of commander is you know the fun and the social aspects yeah i mean if you're playing for nothing why be cutthroat why try to rules gotcha people like that there's nothing to be gained from that so yeah that that's all we're at be someone people want to play with that's it mine's pretty short today i'm done Yeah, your yours is all happy and mine. It's like, hey, big <laughs> begging for money, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Like I, th- this is not the part that I enjoy doing. But you know, we do want to keep bringing this to you. And hey, things you know, things cost money. <laughs> Equipment costs money. Internet costs money. Everything <laughs> costs money. So we got to in turn try to ask y'all to help us keep it going. Help us. We enjoy bringing this to you. We want to keep bringing this to you, but we definitely need your help to continue bringing it to you. So just for sure, whatever you can do. And again, if you can't do anything financially, you know, hey, share the podcast, let people leave us a review tell people that, hey, this is a great podcast. If you're into magic and gaming, you should probably listen to this. It's just uh, feel like I'm doing a Wikipedia like, hey, if everybody that read this or listened to this. Sent us one dollar. Yeah, the time they're doing their their three dollar thing or whatever, right? Yeah, Wikipedia, the NPR, PBS. You used to do those. I, I guess I think still does the pledge drives. We don't have a John Denver CD for you. Yeah, but, but but no. In all seriousness, I get that some people just you money's tight for a lot of folks. I completely understand that. So I always tell people one of the best things you can do, even if it's just not our show. Anybody, anybody's you follow on streams or YouTube, whatever, is share and talk up their stuff. Like when you hear people talking about, oh, man, I'm looking for a new 
podcast or I'm looking for some other people that follow gaming. I'm looking to hear black voices in my community or whatever. Hey, I know a show you should listen to, (laughs) right? Like that's the ticket, right? That's all you need. That alone, because like, just like everything in the world, if a friend tells you about a thing and you trust them, that carries a lot of weight. So it's more weight than random person or random. Not that I, not that I don't read random reviews because I do, but still, like you said, if it's, if it's somebody whose opinion you already trust about them. Yeah, for sure. And think about how many things you've found or use or whatever because somebody told you about it. Right? The show is the same way. You, We will get some number of listeners or whatever if you're just sharing it. Talk about it. If we post it, I go around, I post it on, on Twitter. I post it all over the different Facebook groups, whatever. Retweet it. Share it with people. Let people know what you liked about the episode. Right? Like, that'll help start discussion and get people to listen to it. So, I mean, we do like the money. That does help. But if you can't, there's other ways that are free and take less than 30 seconds to really help us out. Because, man, every little bit helps. That's the truth. But let's carry this over into what did we learn? Because I think we have some actual fun stuff this week to talk about that might surprise people. So what you got, Brian? Yeah, uh, BlizzCon happened this past week, and I mean, uh, many, many things announced, as you can imagine, but definitely one that falls kind of into our bailiwick is that Overwatch is going to get its first uh, first non-binary character. They are uh, DPS, whose uh, code name is Venture, and they're going to be out, I believe, uh, this will be in 2024, and uh, obviously people are very excited about this, and apparently... Their toolkit, if you've ever played Rek'Sai from League of Legends, their toolkit seems a lot like that, where they carry a drill and they're able to dive underground and at some point come up, I guess, either in the middle of your team or behind your team, depending on which is most advantageous. So it looks like just somebody's going to be a whole lot of fun to play and give you another spot on the battlefield that you need to kind of watch out for. And then, of course, uh, more incredible representation. This is, as I said, their first non-binary character. People, although they have, at this point, there's a several, uh, several queer characters that have been announced, and you know, they 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 do uh, they they do comic books, and I think there's even like some kind of animated series that's in the works where they're going to flesh out some of these stories more. But yeah, they are really doing a, a bang up job in representation. So as we talk about, we're gonna. We're gonna rake you over the coals when you screw up, and Lord knows, actively as has, we're also gonna give you credit when you do something right. And this is definitely a case where people are very excited to see this character and play this character and get some more representation. Yeah, you know, they seem like they were slow to ramp up the diversity, but here over the last few months, it's like, okay, hey, let's do this, let's do that, and they're exploring some new stuff, which is pretty cool. I like the name Venture. I mean, definitely. They could just keep that. It doesn't yeah. have to be a code name. I'm like, that's actually just a cool character name. I, th- I think that is officially their. I don't know that for a fact, but I believe that's actually the name that, that they're going to be used. That would be cool. Also, you use the term bailiwick, which I don't think I've heard in like 20 years, <laughs> which is hilarious. Not good with words. <laughs> but no, that's actually really cool. And it wouldn't surprise me if they do an animated thing because they had the arcane series or whatever. Yeah. Right. So that's already out there. So it was like, we know that can be done. So doing something with overwatch in that same space could be kind of cool. 
Yeah, I think now, now admittedly it's different companies, but we know it can be done. Yeah. And this is obviously something, you know, Microsoft obviously wants to expand, you know, it'd be, be just in all the brands, do all the things as, as most, you know, video game companies and gaming companies are, are doing now. Just if you've got, you've already got characters that people love in a world, fictional world that they play in, that people love, you know, why not go for comic books? Movies, you know, animated series, all of those things we've seen. I mean, for example, Dungeons and Dragons movie. This last one apparently was—I haven't seen it yet, but apparently very well reviewed. So, oh, dude, it was a lot of fun. It, it really, really was. You know, the other thing I'm thinking about too with these video games, especially like Overwatch, is you already have all the 3D modeling done, right? So even if a studio wants to come in, you could be like, "Hey, yeah, here's all of our files. You could start here." Yeah. <laughs> so that saves a bunch of time. So that could be kind of cool. Yeah, the thing I wanted to talk about is we mentioned that Twitch opened up multi-streaming to their partners or affiliates or whatever, anybody that had an agreement with them. And I was kind of like, I knew it was going to be good for a lot of people for different reasons. But I was like, I don't know, let's see how big of a game changer this is. I've done two streams now where I was multi-streaming and this most recent one. Literally, like I got done, I was looking at the stats and everything and kind of what my schedule looks like. And I've decided this is good enough that Twitch can't put the genie back in the bottle. I think there's going to be a lot of people now. And I think for each person, multi-streaming is going to look different depending on how you interact with their audience, whatever. But I think once each person figures that out for themselves, it's too good of a tool to get rid of. Like once you're monetized, on each platform that you're adding to your multi-stream bundle, if you will. That's just free money. Because think about this. Like, when I was streaming before, one of the reasons I was having trouble streaming is because I couldn't come up with a schedule that kind of made sense to, like, okay, I need to spend some amount of time on Twitch so I can placate that audience, but I need to spend some amount of time on YouTube. But I'm already making YouTube videos, but I kind of want to make supplemental streams to accompany some stuff or things that make more sense to do live than in a video. But I also don't want to neglect my Twitch audience. So I'm having to like build a schedule around this and it becomes more hours I'm having to give up instead of just making YouTube videos and things. But now I don't have to split those audiences. I can literally like I, I was live for two and a half hours doing a set review. I had all my interaction on YouTube like normal. I still had all my interaction on Twitch like normal. I had four or five people resub. I had somebody do five gift subs on Twitch, you know, and then on YouTube, had all my regular viewers. Some people gave some super chats or whatever. In the end, almost equated to doubling my money for a stream. That's huge. Because I got to do that with the same two and a half hours. I didn't have to add more to the schedule. I didn't have to move stuff around. Like, by the time people are listening to this, I'll probably be playing the early access event for uh, Lost Caverns of Ixalan. I'm going to be live at some point off and on during the day for eight hours, which is actually 16 hours, technically 24 hours, because I'm also live on Facebook, but Facebook is like pocket change by comparison, really. So eh, it is what it is. But realistically, I'm getting 16 hours out of eight hours and all of it's monetized. That changes a lot. And not just that, if you go to make deals with any type of uh, brands or whatever. And they're like, well, what do your streaming hours look like on each platform? 
well, now you can just have a, the same number of hours everywhere. You know, before I was like, eh, well, most of my hours are on YouTube right now. I have a little bit on Twitch or whatever. Now it's just like, okay, cool. If I go live every week for like twice a week, you know, I'm going to have those same four hours everywhere. Like that's huge for so many reasons. Like it, it really is a game changer. I, I was like, I theoretically, when I worked it out, I'm like, this seems pretty good. And here's some things I could think of, but it's even way better than I thought. Like, it's awesome. And you're able to, if you do it right and you use the right services, you can interact with your audience from every platform. Like, you don't lose anything once you figure out what works for you. So I'm all for this. And and this comes back to Twitch's new leadership, leader, CEO. I don't know what his actual title is. The guy in charge at Twitch. The dude. <laughs> yeah, the dude. Like, he's an older guy. So my first thought was like, uh, man, they brought in some older dude. I don't know if he's really going to get it or whatever. This dude's crushing it right now. Like he's out having meetings with some of the the bigger partners. He's on all these different people's streams talking. Hell, he streams himself. That's a thing that I don't think the previous Twitch management did. No, if they did, I'm not aware of it. Yeah, he gets it. I'm like, man, I like this is the first time in a long time I remember people just being positive in all the discussions about Twitch. Like, it's rare. We'll have, like, one thing, and we're like, oh, this is really good, and then there's, like, ten things to complain about. We haven't had a lot of complaints about Twitch in a little bit. I mean, it starts for, from the top down. Like, if people on top get what's going on and are actively trying to make the product better, that that sets the tone for everybody else. Yeah, people came back from TwitchCon, and except for people not having, like, it being at the convention center, and the convention center not the most conveniently located spot on the Strip. That was, like, the only big complaint. But as far as the event itself, the management, the stuff they talked about, seemed to be mostly positive. Man, it seems like it might be time for somebody else to to, to really get into get into that convention and tourism market. Because Vegas is <laughs> Vegas is struggling right now. Ah, uh, man, the problem really with Vegas right now, like the convention center is actually fine. It's actually a good convention center. It's just on the northern part of the strip. So there are some other places on the north. There's like Stratosphere and some other places like on that side of the strip. But I think people that don't know just hear convention center like, oh, okay, cool. I'll just walk like I do everywhere else in the strip. And it's like, no, that's on the north end of the strip. <laughs> like yeah. you ain't just walk into that. Now you can get hotels, resorts or whatever within the vicinity and be fine. And and I walked it. It's not like a ridiculous walk even to the middle of the strip. I mean, I did that. It's like a 35 minute walk. Like, so, like, you can, but most people don't want to for a lot of right. reasons. So, I yeah. Mean, depending, on, depending on time of year, it, it is still in the desert. Yeah. <laughs> no, now the bad part is what's going on right now with that whole F1 race they got going through Vegas. Like, even when I was there and I saw the grandstands going up and whatever and talking to the uh, Lyft drivers and stuff, they were just like, yeah, this is going to be terrible. And I'm like, what about this? This seems impossible. And they're like, yeah, you're not going to even be able to get around downtown at all. And I'm like, oh, gosh. And it's weird, man. It's like, I think the race is going to happen through parts of downtown. And like, it's, I don't know. You got the whole desert. You could have built a track. I don't know what they're doing. Yes. Like, why it's the way it is. And I'll tell you what. I remember when they did one of those in Austin, I think it was. Man, this had to have been 10 years ago or so. Probably longer. The number of people that came into town were crazy. I mean, probably an extra 100,000 people. I can only imagine what it's going to do in Vegas. 
you know, maybe 150,000 people. I don't know, but it's it's going to be bananas. And then Vegas is going to have the the NBA in-season tournament, the finals and the, the quarterfinals and the finals, whatever, starting in, I think, the first week of December. So they only have a couple weeks break after this insanity happens with the F1 race. Then you have the NBA coming to town, and then you get like four weeks off, I think, and then the Super Bowl rolls into town. Yeah. So it sucks uh, if you're a local. More excited for the Super Bowl than the NBA into the tournament. And I say this is an NBA fan. I don't know. I, this is a weird thing. We'll see if it works because it just—I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to actually make people care about, for example, November basketball. And I just don't know if there's. I will see. Apparently, no, no. it's not just that, but it's the fact that you're going to have all those people that come in and watch the games, all the news reporters. You're hoping all these their people come in to watch the game. No, I, I <laughs> think people are going to show up. I think they are. I mean, it's it's going to be a pretty crazy situation for them for four months, basically. Like, it sucks if you're a Vegas local right now. Like, you just can't, like, just don't go anywhere near the downtown areas or the convention center. <laughs> I, I, that's it. I mean, I wish I had better better news, but city's going to make a pile of money. I hope it's worth it by the time you get to March. Because that's when things kind of get back to normal. But all right, let's talk about some different topics because we have a little bit to cover this week. And it's uh, not all happy. So, where we had some great things to say about Twitch, uh, Kick, we still got problems. The first is that you still got dudes like Aiden Ross out there. Basically on the white supremacist train for lack of a just, better term. And they just gave him a Rolls Royce. So they appeared if that didn't. Yeah. Which is super crazy. A, a complete endorsement of, Hey, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. I saw that. That was wild to me. I did not understand that move at all. I, mean, I think it's pretty easy to understand. They've decided they just, as long as you, as long as you draw eyes to your content, they don't care how morally reprehensible your content is. I mean, I guess so. I, I don't agree with it, but it, it's easy to understand. They've said F morals. <laughs> Basically, we don't have any. Well, I mentioned a while back, because I haven't been in the program forever, but the uh, Facebook Black Gaming Creator Program, when that started to kind of shift and break down or whatever, some of these other platforms reached out to a few folks and said like, hey, we hear how they were treating y'all over there. We kind of want to raise our diversity. We want to get some of y'all over here. Why don't you apply for these things or whatever? So I'm following a few folks. You're like, you know what? Kick's kind of messed up, but maybe we'll be some of the catalysts, right? We could join in there, add some color to the space, whatever. I'm like, you know what? Y'all go for it. Well, they've now had three rounds of creators they've picked up and are paid partners. And my understanding is this is some amount of paid beyond the just the ad revenue. I don't know what the agreements are, how much each person's getting. Not really relevant, so I didn't do too much of a deep dive. But as far as I could find, that list is now 133 people. From looking at all the images, 10 were obviously people of color. Now, you know what I do? There's some people that are white presenting, mixed race, whatever. So I'm like, you know what? Let's say it's another... Four people. That's barely 10% of non-whites 
right? Like that, and that's everything included that's not white. That's only 10%. That's a real small number. When you're reaching out to people and saying, like, hey, why don't y'all come over here? Like, hey, we, we want to do some positive stuff over here. And then you got your dudes like Aiden Ross getting a Rolls Royce when he's just saying some wild crap on his streams live. And it's like, man, like, I, like what are y'all doing, Kick? Come on. I, it, it's blatantly obvious. While, while they say they want one thing, they their actions are selling something completely different. And this is why, even when I've caught hell in the past, I said, I don't care about your words. I don't care about your apology. The actions are what matter. Because I can deal with somebody that's gruff or whatever, but if you're doing all the right things, I'm like, cool, you're good. The person out there saying all the right things but doing nothing is meaningless. And this kind of falls in that second category. Like you're saying all the right things, you're reaching out to all the right people, but then we see the rewards you're giving people who are doing the opposite, you know? And then we look and see what you're doing as far as paying people to bring them into your social circle or your financial circle in this case. And it's not the right folks. And again, I don't want anybody to get it or get involved just because you're a person of color. That's no good. And ultimately, if that's the only reason, your experience is going to be bad. I mean, I would argue some people had a negative experience in the Facebook Black Gaming Creator Program because of that. A lot of people were brought in just because of the color of their skin to be part of the project, and they really didn't do anything with it. I'm talking about Facebook didn't do anything with it and didn't really have much of a plan. So a lot of people almost ended up, other than the money they paid them while they're in the program, kind of worse off for their long-term career than they were going in. And here with Kick, it's like you're trying to build up your brain. You're trying to build reach. You're trying to do these positive things. But then you had an opportunity. You didn't do it on three attempts because they've been bringing people in in waves. So you've had three opportunities to vet people in and haven't done it. So, yeah. At this point, I got to say, like, I'm not going to call Kick racist, but they're definitely not necessarily <laughs> POC friendly. I will say that. And that and that's... Some people might say racist or whatever. I don't know them well enough or plans or whatever, but I do see the behavior from the outside at this point. Yeah, like, I mean, you know, when a guy's on their platform of white supremacy and you not only don't punish him, but say, hey, here's a here's a Rolls Royce. Excellent job. Yeah. You're doing a heck of a job, Aiden. It's kind of, it speaks for itself. Because I mean, we, we're sitting around waiting to see if there's going to be a reprimand. If so, and then no, apparently that was they're not a reprimand. They, hey, rewarded because you can't i mean yes he's doing great numbers but you have to know large portions of those numbers are because just ridiculous white supremacy stuff is going unchallenged well dude there's a lot of people i have spoken to already that have said outright they will not stream on kick they are not going to watch anybody on kick whatever, just because they've seen this behavior from some of those partnered creators and because they've seen who Kick has chosen to represent them. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, and I honestly, I was going to give them a shot, but 
I even went through just like one small technicality of trying to work something out on there. And I'm just like, nah, I'm good. Like there's too many issues here right now for me to want to work through it all. If it was simple, I might've given it a shot, but nah, I'm, I'm out for the time being. I just can't. And you know, you're, you're not inviting in though those diverse backgrounds so if you do want to have more diversity, how are you planning to reach those other people? And maybe their plan is they'll just take what they can get. And if it's easy just to work with these problem creators, but they bring in their audience, that's good enough. Numbers are numbers, I guess. Great. But yeah, that's that's a tough one. But uh, let's talk about some Lorcana issues. Yeah, this one's, uh, I don't know, man. This sort of feels like I told you so, you know, <laughs> like, like everybody that was in the know, and this even goes back to the gamma trade show and everything else before release, people were trying to explain things. People were making requests for things. You know, people were talking about stuff in the pipeline and here's stuff you can do or not do. And we knew ultimately some of it was going to be governors from, Disney only allowing so much product to be printed or whatever. And, you know, we knew that was going to be a thing. But I told everybody, I said, didn't matter that it was a Disney product. If your product got too high price because collectors were trying to scoop it up or people trying to, you know, maximize secondary value. You're not going to be able to get people to play the game. People aren't going to be able to build the decks they want to because the singles are too high. At some point, you can't build your audience. So one of the big problems they've had is now that the restock is finally, well, it's late. They said middle of October, we're obviously past that. But the restock for set one was supposed to be hitting, but you're also right around the release of set two coming. So now these retailers that have been waiting, which also have to buy all their stuff to be stocked up for holiday stuff on everything else in their store, are now going to have to figure out where to spend extra money or go get loans or whatever to have a little bit of wiggle room to be able to have set one, which they've been out of for a long time, or having to sell well above retail just so they can keep it on their shelves and still have set two because the part of the audience they have been able to build is going to want the new cards, right? So they've got to figure that whole balance out. And everybody's still hoping that they even get any starters because that's been one of the biggest problems is you can't, really teach people if you can't give them the thing with the rule set and, and the deck, right? Well, I mean, you Pixelborn does exist, so... Yeah, but they're, but that doesn't do any good for the retailer, right? You're not wanting no, to send I'm somebody... I'm talking about in terms of learning the game. You can play it digitally. And that's yeah. obviously not official by Disney, but it works. That's how I learned to play the game, because sure. again, it's really hard to get... But, but I will tell you that that's not what they want, because you're pushing somebody from a physical space to a digital space, and also, it's not an official product, so I guarantee you, Ravensburger and Disney don't want you promoting that over their actual cards. Which leads to the other problem, that some of these LGS owners, from what I've been told, have were requested, is probably the proper way to put that, by Ravensburger, to not sell stuff too high and to do certain things so they can at least keep people happy as long as possible between printings and help build up the game and this, that, and the other. And several of them did that. 
But yet, when some trickles of an actual printing were available, supposedly they went to the mass markets locations and these Disney stores or whatever and didn't even go to the LGSs that they had made all these requests of. I so mean, now, did they did they promise them they were going to do that? or I don't know if it was so much of a promise, but like you were telling them to not make as much money for the betterment of the game. And then when there is an opportunity to do right by them, you don't. Right. And that's what rubbed a lot of them the wrong way. Cause they're like, well, now we gave it money and we have hardly any product. And now we're stuck with a bunch of angry customers. It's like, that's no good. And then the stores that were getting, or at least are told they're getting any that's on this print run, that's either coming or soon, depending on when you're listening to this, are apparently getting a very small percentage of that allocation. So this is just like compounded problems on top of problems. And this is one of the things we said from the beginning, just availability is going to cause so many issues. Yeah. Well, we, we kind of both get to say, I told you so, because you were yeah. correct about all that. And I think I'm correct in saying the long term, it won't matter. <laughs> Disney is a juggernaut. It does not get stopped until it decides to stop spending money on something. No, I, I do think the game will still be around. Yeah. Right, for one way or another, because collectors will buy it or whatever. Like, exactly. There will be an audience. I like, think the all these things went wrong and they've still made millions of dollars, which is their end goal. But I think the end is it's a lot less money than they would have made. Is it? Oh, yeah. Because it's sold out. How are they made less money when all the product has been so You can't get it. So the- you, They could have sold easily if you talk to various retailers anywhere between two and a half to four times as much as what got sold and they still will once they get the product right i disagree i disagree i think because right. even now you have a lot of players there's i've even seen players on twitter talking about it that were making content for it it just said you know i think i'm moving on from the game like this isn't what i was signing up for or like you know it's becoming too much of a hassle or there's too much negativity from the people because of this, that, and the other. And it's like, I get it. Like, so you're losing people at all different levels because of these issues. Whereas if there was product available, the whole scene would look different. You'd have way more sports running more events. But but you have millions of people like me who, whenever Scrooge McDuck is available, take my money. Because I've been a fan of DuckTales since I was a tiny baby. Yeah, I'm not, you, I'm not sitting here saying... You, you can kick me in the face before selling me the cards, but I'm still going to buy the cards for Sure, me. and I'm not sitting here saying they're not going to make any money. That's what I'm saying at all. But I'm saying if, let's say they make $10 million, they could easily have had $30 million. They still will get $30 million. But, <laughs> but that's the thing. When it's 30 it could have been 50 That's what I'm saying. Like, there's a big chunk of money missed, and some of it's strictly going to be because, even at the retail level, people are moving away from it. They're promoting other stuff. They're teaching people other games. They're getting them into other hobbies. What other games are they teaching people? Lots. But, 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 mean, but name one. Magic. <laughs> okay, yeah, Magic wasn't going away regardless of anything Disney Lark County did. Yes, but it's a matter of somebody walking into the store, and they're saying, well, I've heard about this, blah, blah, blah. They come for their third visit or whatever, and they're like, well, I see these people playing this other game. What about this? So they start explaining to them Pokemon or Magic or Yu-Gi-Oh or whatever they have an audience for. And again, Pokemon is another game that has been around for 30 years and, and will continue to exist. Yes, that, that, that's not that, – it's that that money didn't go to Lorcana and Ravensburger. That's the difference. But the thing is, brands like Pokemon, Disney, at this point Magic, they're not going anywhere. There's, sure. They are I'd largely – 
indestructible. So whenever Disney gets their stuff right, they will have made a bunch of money and then we'll continue making a bunch of money. This only this game only goes away when Disney decides, all right, we've either made enough money or is or you know, time to go in a different direction. Wait, wait. Oh, sure, sure. But yeah, when is the last when is the last time Disney fought somebody long term and lost? It's I don't think it's about it's it's what does the win look like? That's do, the do, do the stockholders care what the win looks like? They won't even know the difference. There you go. But what I'm saying is it's going to be at the lower levels that the issue is like that game. Like, seriously, if there was product available, I genuinely believe Lorcana could have been the number one product in a very large number of retailers across the U.S. this year. It, it isn't. I, no, I don't hear about not. it. I don't, not. I, I'm not reading stories about how other it were. It's I, not because they can't sell it. That's the whole reason it's not. Yet everybody's still talking about it. We spent 10 minutes talking about a product sure. we can't find. That's a win. But it's, would, but it's still not number one. Like, that's it. It very well. Are we, are, are we sure that it's not number one? I'm 100% positive it's not. What's, what's number one? Uh, it's probably, if you're talking about card games, it's still either going to be Magic or Pokemon in most stores. And wasn't that always going to be? Where, magic isn't going anywhere. We, sure. we, anybody that thought but again, that's work. not that's not the argument. I'm saying today, this game that came out, I guess now four months ago or whatever. Well, I'm, that, that is the point because okay, Lorcana is was was going to be number two at best <laughs> as long no, as Magic I, exists. I genuinely believe it would have been number one. That's the discussion. Is like, and you talk to any of the retailers for the number of phone calls they had to handle and people that yelled at them and whatever and the, all the crap they had to put up with. They could have easily had that be the number one product in their store. And it's not even close. Like they, Lorcana would have been by far the number one, but because they refuse to print product, that money's going to other sources. And that that's it. It's going, going to magic, which is always going to be there. Pokemon is always going to be If it goes to magic or Pokemon, some of them are just going, well, we'll just go get something else. They're not picking up games at all. So now retailers just lost a customer entirely. Who goes out to buy a card game and then says, you know what? I'm just going to buy something else. Oh, dude, that's definitely happened. Like, not necessarily with just a card game, but I've had it happen with lots of products where you walk in and you just don't have the thing. And they're like, well, I guess I'm going to go do this instead. And then they just go do something else. Like, there's a lot of people that do impulse buying, dude. You'd be really surprised. I mean, really, that's the whole reason LGSs exist at all. Well, I mean, I've, because you I've can just buy it. the same thing online, but you're I mean, going I've, to get it right I've done it too, but that doesn't make me want the Disney thing any less. I will have gotten paid again by the time Disney actually has cards, and I'm still going to buy it. No, you would say that, but there ain't been cards for eight weeks. <laughs> that's the problem. Yeah. At some point, you're not waiting. Okay, if you, well. I can only speak to to my look. I mean, yeah, I I don't have cards. But that's because okay, somebody just sent me a message of where I get cards, and I at, at this point I have no interest in paying seven dollars for them. I, I can wait. Well, yeah, seven dollars is a lot for a yeah. booster. So yeah, if if I just had to have, for example, if I was doing content on it right now, and I just absolutely had to have it, I know where to get it. I'm just not going to pay that for it right now. Yeah, but I think the reason so many retailers are upset is. This is something everybody was trying to mitigate back in March. Literally, like everybody saying, hey, look, you know, ha having distributors go talk to them, whatever, and like keep running it up the chain. And it's like, this has been a problem the whole time from day one. And it's and it's sad because 
even I wasn't like a huge proponent, but like I was thinking I might at least try it out. It sounds cool, but I'm looking at it now and you're like, I don't even want to bother with it. And there's, and I was even on the verge of like, well, if I get my hands on some, I might make some content around this. But how many other people might have done the same thing? Like that's more reach they don't get. Like it's all compounded at the end of the day. If it gets close to number, if it becomes the number two game, people will start making content for it. Some people won't do it, but yeah, still, if you, if you're if you're in the content business, you need to be looking at those top three or four games. And with that, and Disney's not going to be top five. Of course, they're going to be top five. They're probably going to be number two as soon as these product problems are over. I think they might have a month or two here and there throughout the year where they're number two. I'm not sure they're even going to get to number two consistently at this point. I'd be curious, but I think three, which is still solid. Yeah, I was going to say, three is million three is dollars. likely where they're going to end up settling. When they very well, like I said, could have been number one for at least the first yeah, year after release. As you said, first year. Who Nobody knocks Magic off of that perch permanently. Magic sure. is like... Like the Abraham Lincoln quote, if Magic ever loses the top spot, it'll be something Magic did to itself. Yeah, but it won't be because somebody else knocks it off. But the difference between number one and, I don't know, in some stores right now, you're not even top five or six because they just don't have product to sell. But, like, the difference between what they could have been and where they are probably is literally, in the course of 12 months, a couple hundred million dollars. Yet the and here's numbers that I don't know if we're ever going to get, but they were selling the product for twice what it's worth, so they made twice as much money. They weren't retailers were. That's what I'm saying. Opinion. Retailers sold the product for twice what it was worth. But so when the product is available, they're not going to buy it. Of course, they're going to buy it. But here's the thing, right? They're trying to get fifty boxes. They only got five. So even if you sell them for double, you really only sold 10 boxes. You didn't sell the 50 you were initially trying to get. So they still didn't make near as much money on the product, even selling it at double the value because there just wasn't any to be sold. That's the issue. Well, now your theory about, hey, if I can't get this, I'm going to buy something else. So some of these people probably bought something else inside that same store. You would hope so. I mean, that's the plan. Okay. Well, yeah, obviously, at least 5% yeah. of the people. Yeah, did some, like some said, percentage did, for sure. That that was money you wouldn't have gotten had they not come in there, because Lorcan is probably what bought them in there. Oh, yeah, the problem is a bunch of them aren't coming in. They're sending emails or making phone calls in some cases. And, man, if you could see some of these discussions from the retailer groups, people are mad. Oh, there's private groups. Or not even private. They're public, but there's groups on Facebook. For people trying to out stores for selling stuff above retail or whatever. And it's like, what else are they supposed to do? They got the only box within like 10 square miles. Like, what do you want them to do with it? So, yeah, it's it's a mess. I just hope they get it right. Because I do think there are a lot of people that want to make money with the game. I think there's a lot of people that want to try the game out. And from everything I've seen and heard, it's a solid game. So, it still has potential, but... I don't even know when it's, to get it right. I think it's too big to fail, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't. That's what I'm saying. I don't think it ever goes away or whatever. It's just the potential has been reduced significantly because of the issues. Even, which I, I, I completely disagree. I think once product is available, it's gonna, it's gonna continue flying off shelves. 
Yeah, yeah, if yeah, if this if this had happened to I don't know, like like you said, what because we talked about obviously Magic Pokemon. What what's a new game that's out there that that, that I might not have heard of? Um, not as you hadn't heard of, but just like Flesh and Blood stuff like that. Yeah, okay. They were and they were gonna probably smash Flesh and Blood anyway because right. nobody knows what a Flesh and Blood. It's a, for understand, it's a very good game. But again, like we've talked about, if you don't have a license, it is hard to make any inroads into the, that. Top I, I think the biggest of. issue is gonna be who the sales end up going to in the end. Like, is it going well, to yeah, be that's an issue for versus actual collectors? But in terms of Disney making money, they, they don't care. Well, yeah. you, you bought it. Yeah, but I think once it, once it shifts too far to being to collectors, eventually all that money is just made at Disney stores and Walmart, Target, not at the LGSs. And they're, Disney's fine with that. Obviously, the yeah, local game store is for them. But. Yeah. But it's always going to be the, like, what could have been, you know. But anyway, let's talk about some magic stuff. So for those of you that didn't see it, there was a release put out, I guess, on the 3rd of November. So about a week ago from the time of recording, or by the time you're listening to this. And they decided they were going to make a lot of, I guess we'll call them cultural updates. To Magic, as far as Cons of Tarkir goes. Because uh, for those who don't know, on Magic the Gathering Arena, on, I believe, the 12th of December, they're going to release Cons of Tarkir. Which is kind of part of this whole thing to eventually get enough sets on there that you can play Pioneer on Arena. But there's a lot of things there that they wanted to address. The first being that all the Sasha characters are going to have their cat creature subtype removed. And some people I kind of ask, like, why? And for those unaware, the that creature type is kind of brought up from D&D, which was created way back when Gygax was still available, uh, or still involved with D&D. And the cat thing kind of was just added to them. And the only thing I can guess is there was some weird stuff in the early days of D&D where they were trying to not get copyrighted stuff. And, you know, there's even a deal like one of the early monster manuals actually has a Cthulhu in it and later versions had to have that removed and there's a whole thing. So it wouldn't surprise me if that's what this was about is trying to say, well, we got cultural influence, but these are really different than that. Plus, like, uh, for an understanding from the mythology, rock shots are safe genders. They could be a cat. It could be yeah. you know, an ape. It could be anything. So they're trying to clean that up. So all those are getting changed. And then they also went through and changed some other terminology. So anytime they have totem armor, it's now just going to be called Umbra armor, which kind of makes sense because all the cards that have the totem armor anyway are Umbra something or something Umbra. So it's like they might as well just say Umbra armor. So that is being changed as a keyword ability. They're changing all of the Naga subtype to snakes, which... Honestly, makes sense because they're snake characters. And this opens up a lot of stuff for people that have cool snake decks that want to play things that care about snakes. You now have a whole pile of stuff. So that's good. And then the card type tribal is being replaced with Kindred. Which has led to some confusion because people went, well, hey, I thought we were just using typo because that was the thing you all talked about like a month or two ago. And he's like, well, Kindred is the term they wanted to use to replace specifically the subtype on the card tribal because there's a handful of cards that were like 
goblin tribal whatever and you deal damage with the spell or whatever i think though people are going to start using kindred if they take this to heart they're going to start using kindred instead of typal yeah mostly because i think kindred just sounds cool yeah and that's marketing basically yeah i think when people say kindred you think about Oh, okay, brethren, all the people yeah. that are alike, you know, whatever. And it just... It's a word that's more commonly used than typal. Like, when I first heard typal, I thought wizards had made up a word. Like, oh, no, wait, that's an actual word. I had to look that up. Yeah, that's it, too, right? That's the thing that people didn't know was a thing. I also think when you say typal to the... Politely, we'll say to the knuckleheads, it sounds like you're just blatantly trying just to replace tribal for the sake of replacing tribal, right? Because it sounds the same, whatever. Or when you say kindred, it's like, okay, this is a thing I still get. It's kind of cool. And it means the same thing immediately to people when they think about tribal. So it's like, all right, I can see this being used. I don't think that's wizard's intention, but I think now that they've introduced it, you're going to hear a lot of people probably say kindred, I bet. And I don't have a problem with it. I'm I'm with it. I think kindred is a great word. Yeah, I, absolutely. It also, I love it. Yeah, I, I think it's cool. It's It's... Rolls off the tongue easy when you say it. And I think to somebody who is newer to the game or maybe not familiar with the game at all, if you say, I had a Elf Kindred deck, people would be like, oh, okay, I get it. But if you say I have an Elf Typal deck, because a lot of people aren't familiar with the word, it sounds strange. And like, well, what's that? You know, but or literally, you could just, you don't even need the the, the superfluous uh, noun. You could just say elf deck, and everybody knows what you're talking about. Well, yeah, you should. I mean, that was that was the whole argument to begin with. But yeah, I, I like it. I, th- I think those are good changes. I, I know some people were just like, oh, they're just being too sensitive, and they're trying to change my magic and whatever. But man, times change. You know, language changes, people change, society changes. Like, And if, and if at the end of the day... If you're smart, you want more people to play your game. You want more people to feel comfortable with the thing you enjoy. You want it to be acceptable in more places. You want more kids' parents to be okay with them playing it. You want more stores to carry it. So if all of these things, even here and there, just contribute 1%, 2%, whatever, across the board, to getting those things, you get the game and more cards longer. (laughs) So it's a win for all of us. Now, do all these changes matter to me personally? Not particularly. But I do understand that there's a lot of people that it does matter to. And at the end of the day, they don't affect my interaction with the game. All right, so some cards have a different creature type. Fine. I can still play them. Like, it doesn't change my enjoyment of the game. You know, using Kindred or Typal instead of Tribal, that literally changes nothing about how I play the game. But if it makes a bunch of people feel comfortable, I'm down with it. Like, it's not really much of an argument to be made. <laughs> like, people are weird, man. Like, just, if it if it makes it better for other people, and it literally does not affect any of your interactions with the thing, then who cares? Just let them do their thing. People are, people are bizarre. Yeah, that's the truth. But all right. We got to talk about some Mr. Beast stuff before we get to the dinner table. All right. So Mr. Beast is known for doing a lot of charitable things, right? He's helped people build homes after tornadoes. 
He's filled up food banks with food. He's helped people with, what was it, cataract surgery, like a thousand people. You know, he, he recently helped people with, with uh, amputee kids, like getting different type of surgeries that they needed. He bought a bunch of bikes for an area that had like bad roads and whatever. So this latest one, he went to, I think it was almost every country in Africa, I think. He went to a lot and built 100 wells. Straight up, brought drillers and everything, gave them fresh water. Each one, each pump, I think they said, are going to do several hundred thousand gallons of water over the course of a year. And for those of you who haven't seen the video yet, I think you really should. It's on his philanthropy channel. He doesn't even get any money from those videos. All that money goes back into charity. So you're watching it. You're doing a good thing. But he even went through the effort of going through the daily grind with some of these people about seeing their water sources and how far they had to go to get to them. You know, literally carrying these like gallons and gallons of water with them, like four miles or whatever it was, he had to walk with them to get their stuff up. One of them was up this crazy, like because of the slopes and stuff, they're carrying this water on this like slope with no real steps or footholds or whatever. Yeah, like yeah. it was crazy. But he went through, built all these wells. On top of that, because he's Mr. Beast, he's like talking to the locals and finding out like, oh, well, they have trouble even getting to the water they were going to before because one of these bridges sometimes can just get washed away by the water. So then they got to spend time to rebuild the bridge so they can even get to the water or whatever. So he's like, yeah, cool. We'll just build a better bridge and then it won't fall apart. So <laughs> paying to build the bridge. And he's talking to some other people in another town and figuring out like, ah, yeah, your schools need some help. So he just bought new furniture and new computers for them. Dude just side questing while building water water wells and giving fresh water to people. Right. And what I love so much is at the end of his video, he even said outright, he says, you know what? I know some people are going to want to cancel me for building all these wells for people, but I don't care. And I'm with them because I knew it was coming too. As soon as I watched the video, I'm like, oh, you know, people are going to bitch about this. And sure enough, it took like three days. <laughs> and then there was all these different write-ups and news stories and people on social media talking about, see, now he's exploiting poor people in Africa. and blah. Like, bruh, these people, like, dude, if you see, like, one lady said people were going to their, their I think it was like a lake or a pond or whatever it was where they were getting their water and saying they knew it was bad for them and their kids were getting sick and couldn't even go to school for a couple days at a time or whatever but they just couldn't not have water. Exactly. So like how like, uh, it's I, like, I, it's hard to not be upset for him. And who's embarrassed? Like, like when he was helping people get their eyesight back, the government. Oh yeah. Yeah. There was local government saying like, well, now he came in and just embarrassed us. You know, some of these, well, these charities that are supposedly helping and supposed to be doing these humanitarian things are like, Oh, well he's just here just trying to show people up. It's like, bro, y'all had forever, right? Like, even in one of the stories, they're talking about how, oh, they give each of the politicians something like, I don't know, $30,000 a year or whatever, just to fuel their vehicles. You know, there's, they build these extra embassies or they're spending this money on war machines or doing this stuff. And it's like, you could have built a well at any time. Like, you couldn't even say it's not the resources, it's not the money. You just didn't build it. And then because some YouTuber rolls in and builds a hundred of them, 
over the course of a couple months, all of a sudden y'all want to act embarrassed. Right. And you should be. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, for real. Like, you probably are embarrassed. Because he came in and just gave everybody fresh water. And when we and and that's what's upsetting to people, or what should be upsetting, is all these things we talk about as far as like feeding people and housing people and whatever. We could do that at any point. We've just mm-hmm. made decisions not to do it. So it takes these individuals, and not just Mr. Beast, other people, you know, are helping with water projects and doing stuff, but you know, he's the most visible right now. But it takes these individuals going, you know what? If the government's not going to do it, I'm just going to go spend like 10 million and go solve the problem. And it's just like, that should be what makes you mad. It's like all these people you see struggling, we have the money and the resources as individual countries, but also as a world to take care of a lot of the stuff. We just choose not to for the sake of commerce or whatever on a lot of cases. Right. But man, credit to Mr. Beast. Really, like I don't, I don't know him personally. I'm not a huge fan of like some of his humor or whatever. You know, maybe it's an age different things. But the dude <laughs> one has YouTube figured out, and two, he spends his money doing really good things for people. Like I, I mean, want to be mad at him, sure, but you can't be mad at him for helping people. And then there's the folks that are like, well, if you really cared so much, why do you have to put it on video? Like. The fact that he has the videos makes more money for him to go help somebody else. Also, it actually brings attention to the problem because you weren't talking about there being wells in Africa before this. That's another good point, legitly, that people don't talk about is if he wasn't doing this, would you actively be caring about it? I don't think people would. No. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna look up his video. So that video he put up four days ago already has 70 million views. And every one of those views, he says all the money for his philanthropy channel goes right back into charities. So like, how can you be mad at that? Because out of the millions of people watching this, a, a fair amount of them are hearing about the water problem for the first time. Yeah, and this it's particular video. He didn't put it on his philanthropy channel. He put it on his main channel, probably to make sure even more people saw it. And he said for that video specifically, he says he is not making any money off that video. So I'm like, be mad. You know, literally, I'm with him. Y'all just got to be mad. Because if I had that kind of money, I would like to think that I would be doing nice things with it too. And if I chose to record some of it, whether it's for awareness or just for posterity's sake or whatever, so what? Like people get mad at these folks on TikTok. They go out and, you know, they're showing, you know, they go buy a bunch of food and then they go hand it out to the homeless or whatever. There's one dude, he takes a bunch of money through different charitable things and and GoFundMe's or whatever, and he takes that money and he shows it. He goes out and buys food, he buys shoes, he buys bottled water, and he drives around giving it to homeless people. And people are like, I don't know why he's got to show it or whatever. Like, because he is, people keep giving money so we can go keep helping people. And, you know, you just know some of the same people complaining about him recording it or broadcast it or the people calling the TV station newspaper. Why don't y'all ever cover any good news? Why don't you ever show anything positive? Because this is what you get. Bro, <laughs> for real. I've met those people, man. Where they're like, why is everything so negative? But then when something's positive, all they do is bitch about it. 
It's like, why would anybody want to show you anything positive? Because how you act, like, come on. Like, it's uh, seriously, I watched that mystery video and it's sad that I had the thought of, I wonder how people are going to try to spin this. Like, while I'm watching it. And then he says it at the end and I'm like, even he knows. Like, he's just gotten used to it at this point. But I don't think it matters. It's like, dude, there, even in just that one video, imagine how many people he's affected positively for their life. Like, hundreds of thousands, if not millions. I, I promise you, nobody that got fresh water is complaining. Dude, you just exploited me. Like, I'm not going to drink this water because you exploited me so hard. There is literally a non-zero, probably a realistic chance of he saved the lives of at least mm -hmm. several hundred people yeah, that were going to die from some sickness or whatever from, you know, the sediment and the crap in the water or whatever, right? How can you be mad at that? Like, he's literally saving lives now. Like, that's what this is. This isn't even just about people having water. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I guess so. But, like, man, it's it's tough. It's tough. But, like, I'm honestly happy for him that the video's doing so damn well. And I hope it continues to do well. Like, I, I would love to be able to do that type of stuff at some point. So I am not going to point the finger because I would be just like him. So people are just going to have to be mad. But, yeah, go check the video out. Totally worth it. It's a good video, and you'll learn a lot, too, about just the area and the people and some of the stuff that folks have to go through on a daily basis that we all take for granted, because I can just walk to my sink in wastewater, which is awful. But all right. This is going to bring us to the dinner table. And this question, I don't know, I don't know how, how people are going to take this, but somebody did ask, do you code switch? with your gaming friends. I buy foot friends, but they said in your gaming communities or whatever. And honestly, I don't think so with people I know well already, but I'm pretty sure I do if it's a new environment. Yeah, I think that would be how most people handle that. Like until you know, you know, until you know the people around you, you're going to yeah, because I'm not going to, like, roll in talking slang and using a southern dialect with whatever, you know, like... Yeah, I'm going to do that. Yeah, <laughs> that would... to a point, but, like, I'm still going to be a bit reserved because I don't know what your comfort level is yet. And, one, I'm not trying to make you uncomfortable just yet because it's not going to be funny if I don't know you. But, two, I'm also trying to figure out where I fit in immediately. Right? Is this a place I'm going to want to hang out more often? Am I going to come here for events regularly? Is this going to be like my weekly hangout spot or something? So you kind of got to feel things out first to figure out, for lack of a better term, how black you're going to be allowed to be. You know, and I know that sounds bad to people, but it's true, though. And and here's a here's a thing I thought about, which might make some people uncomfortable. But this is one of those like you know, random idle musing thoughts I had a while back. Is it like, I don't think people really understand how much more comfortable they are with somebody not being themselves. And I think that's a weird thought if people were to really just sit with that for a minute of like, they feel more comfortable almost forcing somebody else 
to not be themselves versus finding a way to be comfortable accepting somebody as they would prefer to be. Which leads to people like us doing the code switching and saying, okay, I already know they're going to want to be more comfortable, so let me just make this easier on everybody. And then we'll see where things go from here. Actually, this is funny. I just, I just saw this video earlier today, actually, with Mario Lopez. Did you see this one? It's going around. Uh, no. Yeah, so apparently... And I guess because he did some recent, I don't remember what it was, some TV show he did recently. Oh, no, because no. he's been doing food reviews with somebody, I think, with like Mexican food in, in California or whatever. And there were people accusing him of not actually being Mexican. Wow. Or or, or Hispanic background. Right. And he was like, this took me a minute because, I mean, one, my name is Mario Lopez. <laughs> right. But he's explaining, like, he's from a small town, border town, you know, between, like, California and, and Mexico. You know, his parents are from this place, whatever. He's even showing pictures of, like, all the people I hang out with happen to be Mexican or whatever. Uh, but he grew up right in front of us on TV. It's not like he came from, no, from nowhere and all of a sudden just started hosting extra. And I don't know, what is he, 35, but, 40? But that's the even. thing. And he even said, he says, like, I think it's because lately y'all are seeing me use all this slang and homes and this, that, and whatever, being around my friends talking about food. But y'all see me on Access Hollywood without that accent. And he's like, dude, I'm out here trying to get paid. Yeah. And he's like, I can't be on TV just being myself or whatever. And I was like, even for him, and like, dude, no hate. Like, if you got a code switch to get the bag, go get it, right? But like... Well, I mean, you know, you're functioning as a reporter. You're gonna obviously use, and even that depends on the TV show you're on. If yeah, you're yeah. corresponding on like Vice, you might well use some of the same slang or speech patterns you would ordinarily. Or if you're doing, uh, you know, some kind of news channel on YouTube, you probably just depends. Okay, where you, but yeah, extra still pretty mainstream, kind of like almost Associated Press style journalism. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you're not going to be on there probably talking about homes and it's it's crazy it's though. Like to even realize that he even does it at his level, right? We all know who he is. He's loved by America. He's done yeah. talk show jobs. He grew up on some of our favorite TV shows. Whatever doesn't matter. Like even he does it because he knows there are people that will just be more comfortable if he speaks a certain way. Even though it's the exact same person. Well, that's not even culture. It's like, you know, I you, you wouldn't see a white reporter on Extra being like, hey, sup, <laughs> dude, you ain't going to believe what Taylor Swift did today because it's a more professional environment. To be fair, that'd be a hell of a lot more entertaining, though. <laughs> like, let's talk about this Taylor Swift concert right now, right? Oh, man, that, that would be great. But no, but I get it. And I think people don't even take that into consideration, though. Just like because he started being himself, all of a sudden people are like, well, wait, is he just really just trying to pretend to be Mexican now? <laughs> it's like, no, he was doing his job before and he had to. And now that he's being himself, y'all are judging. You know, it's like, and when it was on Saved by the Bell, you know, there were probably no Latin people involved in the writing of those scripts. Oh, sure, sure. And he wasn't at the age where he could tell anybody, hey, you know, I, I wouldn't say that. He had, those, those people had no input on their characters, they were teenage actors. Yeah. Hey, even as an adult actor, a lot of times you don't necessarily have input. You got to do it the way whoever's 
writing the check wants you to do it. It's just. You, you know what I think, though, is the funny part is I saw one of those videos at some point, not recently, you know, a, a little while back. And I didn't even think twice about it. I'm like, oh, it's Mario Lopez. Cool. Yeah. And that was it. Like, I didn't even, it's like, yeah, he's, he's using Mexican language, speaking Spanish and whatever. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, I didn't really, I just swiped right past it, went on to the next thing. I wasn't even a thought. Yeah. But then I realized, like, I've just gotten comfortable with, like, we just understand sometimes people can be themselves and sometimes they can't. <laughs> right? And it's just the right. way it is. And I'll say, I really don't. Or at least I don't feel like I do. And I mean, if anybody has gamed with me and for a long period of time, it feels differently. But I usually, especially because, you know, ground, I'm, I'm going to a gaming environment to relax. So I'm hoping yeah. this is a space I can relax in. And, you know, I, I thought about this after I had sold my place. But I had the thought of that's probably one of the reasons so many people were comfortable coming into my spot. Because they just came in shields down and didn't feel like they had to worry about it. Which is nice. You know, it's positive because I always hear like nice stories and people are like, man, I remember my first went to your store and blah, blah. And that's great. Right. But I, I wasn't even thinking about it on that level until after the fact of, you know, you walk in, you see me being chill and relaxed. Like there's a black guy at the counter. You're just like, oh, okay. I, I can be a little more normal here, especially where there's a lot of Hispanic culture or whatever throughout Texas that don't have a lot of comfortable places they can go. You know, so that that probably played a role too. But yeah, it's very interesting. It's a, it's a thing though. There's a, some stuff to think about for people. But anyway, Brian, I want to tell everybody where they can find you on social media. I am Brian Sionic on Twitter and uh, the Instagram. And you can find me everywhere at PowerDragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. And if you're into Ixalan, check out my YouTube channel. There's going to be a lot of stuff coming over the next seven or eight days. But as always, wherever you are watching, whenever or watching, listening on this one, or whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please remember to take care of yourselves and your family. Remember to be awesome, and most importantly, be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate other patreon.com slash color of magic you can also find us on facebook under color of magic and if you want to follow us along at twitter you can find us there at color of mtg and as always please share the podcast around to your friends your network people you think might enjoy it because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base